welcome to the Basement Astrologers, here in the middle of the Middle West in above-average St. Paul, Minnesota. We're coming to you today on the new moon in Taurus, 5-15-18, at 8.09 p.m. Today we're having a special recording where I'm going to give my new moon in Taurus lecture, and Meredith of Earthling Astrology Hello. is going to chime in and help out. So before I begin my lecture, I'd like to clear my throat with a little bit about my philosophy of astrology, which I'm sure you're loving to hear at this point. My focus in astrology is the intersection of the symbols in the sky and how we're living our intentions here on Earth. There's something profoundly stabilizing in knowing that you're so much more than your circumstances. At a bare minimum, astrology provides a vantage point outside of contemporary culture from which one can examine reality. When put together, with this understanding of this profound, stabilizing knowledge, that creates strong medicine. Astrology also allows us to commune with thinkers throughout time, as well as a lot of people who are giving a lot of thought to how we're living lives today. And those people share that same outsider vantage point, which I find incredibly intellectually useful. In addition, astrology allows us the opportunity to align our actions with the cosmos. One of the things we're going to talk about at the end of this talk, and I like to talk about each month, is setting intentions so that we align how we're living more closely with how the universe is unfolding. Everybody has Taurus in their chart. It might not be a prominent placement in everyone's chart, but Taurus and this new moon can be a great place to set intentions for everyone. <clears throat> All right, throat clearing out of the way. Now let's get to the main topic. I start every new moon talk talking about the essential dignity of the ruling planet of where the new moon begins. For Taurus, that's Venus, and Venus is in Gemini, where Venus is flirty and thoughtful. <clears throat> Venus doesn't have a great deal of reception with Taurus there, but she's not unhappy. She's got lots to do and lots of playfulness to get done. Venus is the goddess of love. In ancient times, when gods and goddesses were given their names, their meaning came from universal traits. And for Venus, that was desire and love. And those were condensed down to a singular purpose. Venus is the first true planet from Earth towards the sun, and it's the most brilliant in the sky. She's gorgeous when you get to see her. Traditional signifiers of Venus were beauty, grace, softness, delicacy, love, friendship, fraternity, sympathy, passion, sexuality and sensuality, dating and marriage, playfulness, games, entertainment, indulgences, and pleasure. You get the idea. Mundanely, so in ways Venus manifested in, in physical terms, she represented religious regalia and ceremony, priesthood, the wearing of gold ornaments and crowns, artists, inventors, and cleanliness. So you can see that not only does Venus symbolize lots of good, yummy, pleasurable things, but she also is apparent in times where we set aside for special ceremonies and special symbols. The body part that Venus rules is the neck. Now, in some of my past New Moon talks, I didn't focus as much on the specific body part, and it's not that they weren't 
important in other places, but it fits in really well when we talk about Taurus. Now, there are some negative significations of Venus as well. When Venus is poorly placed or neglected or overindulged, you see a distortion of the good stuff. You see extravagance. You see superficiality and vanity. You see greed, infidelity, jealousy. You see kind of uh, the opposite of those inherently Venetian things. So Venus can signify desire, but not always for those Venusian things. For example, a famous chart people point to is Jeffrey Dahmer's chart. Jeffrey Dahmer not only had Libra rising, but he also had four exalted planets, and one of them was Libra in Taurus in the eighth house, what's commonly considered in traditional astrology to be the idol house, or everything to do with death. Now, we all know how that turned out for everyone. Jeffrey desired, he over-romanticized, he clung to and found value in really morbid, outside-the-box things. I just got goosebumps with that one. I had no idea about his chart. That is crazy. (laughs) Well, we're talking about Taurus. Let's not dwell too long on Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. (laughs) So getting to something more delightful. Uh, One way I like to talk about Venus, too, is this idea of these inherently beautiful, desirous things. So kids are a pain in the ass. I can tell you from experience. (laughs) But uh, we don't harm children. Um, More to the point, we don't consume children. And in the natural world, there are actually organisms that do that. But one of the things that sets humans apart is this idea that we protect small children, even though they're a lot of work and a pain in the butt, and they have this inherent cuteness and sweetness about them that uh, we desire to protect them. Um, kind of the idea where you see a, a four-year-old walking with across the street playing a game, you just want to give them a sucker. Um, that, that, to me, is kind of one of those core Venusian principles. Now, there's an opposite to that. We can learn a lot and are going to today from these oppositions. When we hear of an individual like a Dahmer or a, a bear trying to bring the mama bears back into estrus uh, and they, they harm children or other people, those are bestial. Hold up. What's estrus? <laughs> estrus is when an animal is in heat and, okay. uh, and is ready Thank to receive you. a male. Thank you, Mercury, Angular Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for, for making me clarify that. Um, and really, those are are monstrous, bestial things. We see some of these themes actually in in some of our tales uh, that that become uh, entrenched in our culture. Uh, one example is Anakin Skywalker becoming Death Darth Ooh, Vader. Ooh, yeah. All right, speaking my language. I What's knew, up? <laughs> I knew you'd like this one. Um, so Anakin falls in love with Padme. And will do anything to protect her and actually ends up turning to the dark side because uh, his obsession with Princess Amidala is so great. Um, I think uh, that this is a great example of a Pluto transit. Um, Wait, Pluto on Venus? Sure, Venus. Um, But generally, you have a transit where you emerge, uh, where where authenticity and reality um, uncovers itself. Yeah, we could do a whole pod on that. I mean, I could, because I'm a Star Wars fan, but interesting. Oh, maybe we should. <laughs> um, and there are other tales. Um, the example of Persephone, so the beautiful daughter of Zeus and Demeter, taken to the underworld by Pluto uh, and released every six months. And it just so happens that when Persephone returns to the surface world from Pluto, we have spring, and that's Taurus season. Correct. Uh, so 
we talked a lot about Venus and about those those yummy, sticky signifiers of uh, bringing together and uh, and delightfulness that Venus brings. And now we have Taurus. Taurus is fixed Earth female, the bull. Taurus um, signifies the neck or the throat. Fixed energy is the heart of the season, solid, firm, stiff, stubborn. So Aries is the very first part of spring. Taurus is fixed spring when those green sprouts are shooting up, when farmers are tilling and planting the field. And Gemini, the buzzing, uh, the, the extra energy, the consuming of data, that's when it gets warm enough that the bugs actually release from the ground and release from the liquids, and you have all that extra energy up into space. Uh, and as I said, Taurus is that plowing and planting season. It really is, uh, it's earthy, it's practical, functional, constructive, solidity, organized and pragmatic. And it's female, which is that energy that's directed inward. So together you see all of those themes of condensing down to the most basic point of value. The keywords for Taurus are static, deliberate, focused. Uh, they're focused on security and stability specifically. What I like to think about when I think of just specifically Taurus, not adding some of those Venusian themes, is Linus from the Peanuts. Linus carries his blankie with him everywhere he goes. Uh, it's his security blankie. He feels comfy and warm. He's got home base. Uh, Linus even rejects Sally, Charlie Brown's sister's advances, because it's it's out of his way. It's gonna it's gonna mess up his routine where he's comfortable and happy. I think that if Sally would have gone with a back rub or maybe a foot massage, uh, she might have been more to Taurus's liking. So now what we're gonna do is we're gonna apply those yummy sticky Venus ideas to Taurus, and we're gonna get comfortable, useful value. Comfortable, useful value. Now we're going to set Taurus apart even more by comparing Taurus to Libra. Libra is the other sign ruled by Venus and Libra is cardinal, air, and male. What we have with Taurus is interior, inside Venus. And what we have with Libra is exterior, outside Venus. <clears throat> One way to think about this is that Libra is fine arts and Saturn is exalted in Libra. When we think of Saturn exalted in Libra, we think of a beautiful chandelier or a gorgeously decorated, um, you know, wealthy castle full of priceless heirlooms that are, that are kind of universal and outside of space. When we think of Taurus, where the moon is exalted, we think of personal arts. We think of things that make people comfortable inside. So cooking a wonderful homemade meal or being underneath a hand-knitted warm sweater. Uh, we think of things that, that make us feel fulfilled inside, which is where the moon uh, works. And I, I think we're going to see throughout this talk that there are going to be a lot of those themes with Taurus and that moon exaltation. For one example, uh, we have Taurus and its opposite. So <clears throat> Taurus is on one side of the zodiac and Scorpio is on the other. Scorpio is fixed water female, but Scorpio is ruled by Mars. With Scorpio, we get intensity. We get uh, power and drive from those inner emotions. And we see that in uh, Taurus, we have the moon exalted, where the moon's happy and comfortable, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's in that 
fixed earthy sign and it can relax and have a bite of chocolate and a warm fire. And then we see in Scorpio, the moon is fixed and it's inside again, but we have those bubbling, churning emotions that are driving the moon and, and, and agitating the moon. And so we see the moon isn't always as happy there. So we have a really good view of how um, Taurus is comfortable, useful value. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about Tor use that archetype and apply it more broadly. So Taurus is the bull. Stephen Forrest likes to point out that a bull is a cow, uh, which I think is a great way to go at it. So a lot of times in our culture, we have this idea of this vicious bull in the ring fighting the bullfighter. But in reality, a bull is just a really big, heavy animal that wants to be out in the sunshine. It wants to eat a bunch of fresh, yummy grass and the softest, most delicate um, new growth things it can find in the field. And then it wants to find a comfortable place to lay down and chew its cud and be comfortable and happy. Uh, cows are, are docile and, and happy creatures that like to stick to what they're doing. They like to be comfortable, they like to pick the best stuff, and they like to know their routine. Now, when we talk specifically about examples of Taurus, we're going to contrast with, with some of maybe the other most recent talks I've given with Aquarius that lent itself to these structures of logical constructive narratives. Pisces had kind of an emotionally moving portrayal. Aries was terse and sharp and in your face. Taurus leads us to tactile examples that you can almost reach out and touch them. So the first thing we think of when we think of Taurus is sensual. Not necessarily sexual, although sometimes sexual. We think of hands-on arts and crafts, gardeners, practical clothes that look good and feel good. You're going to get your hands dirty. You're going to feel the shape of art. You think of back rubs and foot massages and day spas. Those are all things that are Venusian and Taurian. Now, one thing to point out when we're talking about sensuality is a common axe that's ground with Taurus is that Taurus needs to get plowed on the regular. Taurus likes physical contact, and if they have a partner, or even sometimes even if they don't, they like to have sex. Now, this can, again, push to a negative. So if you have maybe some of those 12th house themes with Taurus, you get some of the, uh, the negative sides of Taurus. You get internet porn and Uber Eats. Taurus found what it values, which is uh, Jurgens, uh, extra comfortable, and, uh, and, and food delivered right to the house. Um, and this leads us in an awkward way to our next example, which Taurus has a ton to do with music. Now, if we reflect on this, it makes a ton of sense. So it's bringing those senses to reality. It's, it's feeling grounded and in place. Now, we talked about Taurus ruling the throat. And one of the things I always note when I hear a great singer or someone with a beautiful voice is where Taurus is in their chart. Because Taurus rules the throat. If you bring chi to that, you get this wonderful shareable sound. Can I just interject with a music comment? So is this making music with instruments or making music with your voice? Both. Okay. So because Taurus is then taking those rich disciplines and, and they're creating comfort with them. So just think of a Taurian with a violin or a piano, just really just absorbed into what they're doing. And again, we see 
what's commonly considered to be a lazy musician motif. But it makes perfect sense for a Turian. They found the thing they're good at. It makes them feel good. What more do they need? Well, the thing with being a musician, you need fixed energy to actually become good at it. Perfect. You need to stick with practicing. And if you don't have a lot of fixed energy, you're going to get bored. You're going to give it up. You're going to start seven instruments and not stick with it. But the Tauruses have that fixed energy to like practice even the boring stuff over and over and over and over i think and music soothes the savage beast and like we just talked about taurus the bull does not want to be in the ring getting stuck with a spear taurus is the cow it wants its comfortable place it wants to learn its chords and practice over and over it wants to just enjoy and experience that art and we can contrast that with another performer which is leo and with leo we have the audience being key which is great But with Taurus, Taurus is worried about the art, about feeling good inside. Taurus is not a ham. Taurus is expressing for expression's sake. Yeah, Leo, another fixed sign. I mean, I always think of the actors as more of the Leo energy, kind of being seen, being adored. Um, But again, you need fixed energy. We're going to have some great examples of artists coming up, uh, especially actors. So I'm I'm glad you're right on board with us. Um, So... One contrast here, again, between Taurus and Libra is that when we have music that's more Libran, we kind of see that outside expression. So for me, as uh, someone who's in in that 40-year-old range, I think of those 80s hair metal bands who are all about appearance with the big hair and the fancy, shiny clothes. But we see those Taurian themes in some of that 80s music because those bands also put out these power ballads. Um, that were the the songs that you danced to at the eighth grade dance. So you were embracing. I mean, that music from the 80s, if I think I know where you're going with this, mm-hmm. is like, we hear that. We're about the similar age. We're like, oh, that's so good. You never get sick of those songs because they just stick around. You know, you don't want to let them go. And I would say, and we'll get to some more of this um, later on, that that the idea of holding on to things that are emotionally fulfilling. So Taurus. Yeah, completely. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, this this feels good when I'm doing it, um, and, and repeating and returning to those notions are really Taurian ideas. Excellent, yep. So another big Taurus example is food. And with Taurus, we have those rich, well-developed flavors. So think chocolate, deep red wine. The slow food farm-to-table movement is super Taurian. And we could take that a step further and think of even um, examples of food that are culturally specific. So we're in St. Paul, where there's a huge Vietnamese and Hmong population. So pho, a super Taurian food. So good. Oh, it's the best. Stew. Uh, I make a lot of stew and chili in the winter. And for my kids, I guarantee that's going to be a Taurian experience. And for me, it was my Grandma Bernie's fried macaroni and breadcrumbs. So we're really talking about soul food here. That sounds amazing. And going back to your Stephen Forrest fact that I didn't know about the cow and the bull being the same species, they have two stomachs. Yeah. Um, I just kind of, I don't know if that has anything to do with what we're talking about, but they they enjoy their food, like they digest it slow. They take their time, like enjoying their food, like literally Um, their body. They throw it back up and chew it a second time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Again, we're going to reach back to Venus and talk about the difference here with food between Libra, which is uh, air, male, um, Venus, 
and we're going to talk about Taurus. With with Libra, we have f- fine dining, fancy surrounding, the pleasantness of the staff, a beautiful presentation, and even some of the flavors. If it's interesting and well balanced and intellectually stimulating, these are these are really Venusian ideas, but they're really Libran. Now, at that same meal, we're going to get some Taurian stuff. We're going to get rich flavors. We're going to get things done in a tradition that reminds people nostalgically of where it came from. We're going to get the char on that meat. We're going to get the fish cooked just right, just a simple piece of fish, but done exactly right. And what that's going to engage is those emotions that bring you back to a different time. Now, and obviously, we've got dessert and cognac too, and what could be more Taurian than that? So when we're talking about those nostalgic themes, we're talking a little bit about some topics that often come up with Taurus, which is kind of down-home, earthy values. And when I like to think about this, I like to think about the contrast between the house of the moon's joy, again, remember, the moon is exalted in Taurus, which is the third house, and the house of the sun's joy, which is in the ninth house. So in the third house or the goddess house, which is the house of the sun's joy, it rules local folklore, religion, but of a local, regional level, common customs and information. So think newspaper reporters, talk radio, comedians, um, local midwives, local priestess worships. When you think of the ninth house or the sun's joy, you're thinking of higher ideals, um, world religions, world travel, um, So you have that tactile, hands-on, Venusian Taurus, and these these topics uh, where the moon fits in are these inside, local, close-to-home topics. Uh, And and that's where we get some of those Taurian ideas of family, houses, the garden, the earth, local delicacies. Now, when we talk about astrotheology, another really big Taurian topic is the idea that uh, we follow back these these gods or these religious practices. We go from, we're in the Pisces right now, and before that was Aries, and before that, we were in the age of Taurus. And the age of Taurus is when humans really learned how to cultivate crops, plow and till the land. They learned to domesticate the cow, which was a really big deal. And the ability to do these things allowed humans to trade fine items. And one of the things that humans did with this wealth they built up was build huge monolithic structures. Again, really Taurian ideas of fixed earth. Uh, And there was a whole period of time. Just for my reference, I think this is 4000 BC would be the age of Taurus. Because Aries would be 2000 BC and Jesus came in with Pisces, so that would be zero. That seems right. So for, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the big things, and I wish I had a picture that I could share, but... Uh, one of the big Taurian images was the fertility goddess, uh, which was this um, like a little um, shaped structure, uh, sculpture with a big distended belly. And you could see the breasts exposed and a, and a rump on the little sculpture. And, and she was worshipped for fertility, which I really think when you think of these spring seasons and Taurus are really Taurian themes. And it comes from that same era. And so one of the other things we can think of uh, when we think of Taurus as kind of those midwives, uh, people who bring uh, life into uh, existence. And my wife, for example, has 
the moon exalted in her 10th house of work in Taurus, and she is a midwife. Now, there really is nothing that is that distillation of useful value that makes more sense. Um, those Taurian, earthy, traditional values that a baby, a baby is maybe the ultimate Taurian symbol. All right, now we're going to switch over and we are going to uh, do some chart examples. Um, since we can't see my charts, I'm going to just point out some of the specific themes and we're really going to specifically hit the planets that are in Taurus and we're going to talk about where Venus is. Now with these examples, oftentimes I break down the specific charts pretty thoroughly, but with Taurus, we want to get tactful, tactile. We want lots of specific examples that hit notes with us, and we're going to see lots of them. So first, we're going to hit some of that lowbrow or folk entertainment, some of those places of, of common themes to the everyday man in their local environment. We're also going to see those Taurian themes of, of neck and throat and sound. And so our first two examples are Dwayne The Rock Johnson. What? Also known as the Brahmin Bull when he was a professional wrestler. Really? Yes. And John Cena, another professional wrestler. Now, I can't think, and John, both of them have enormous necks, and which is pretty common for professional wrestlers, but, but even more distinct. Now, there almost is nothing more base and local than this reality TV that goes on with professional wrestling. It is for the masses. It hits those common themes that are that are, uh, you know, one side versus another, the Hatfields and the McCoys. So, I'm sorry, can you repeat what their uh, Taurus signatures are? Yep. With uh, Dwayne, we have the sun in Taurus, and it is trine Jupiter in Capricorn. Okay, and which, John Cena? And John Cena is sun and Mercury in Taurus with Venus and Aries. So, remember last pod we talked about Andre the Giant? Yeah. I found out he was the sun Taurus. He is, but uh, it's not as good of an example... But still, two. like, the yeah. wrestling, like, oh, interesting. No, okay. I totally agree. And we get those third house themes, too, the idea of the local or the folk art. Because wrestling, while it, it to a certain extent is worldwide, um, the way in which it's practiced in the United States is really local. It's really theme-based. And I think third house is total Gemini stuff, which is kind of a trickster energy. Everyone thinks it's – everyone knows it's fake, but they're just – Obsessed with it. A lot it's, of communication. Now, that's yeah. interesting you bring that up because traditionally, um, the moon also signified communication. And so when you think of those third house themes, there's a lot of crossover. There was a lot of crossover traditionally between or between the traditional signifiers of the moon and what we now give to Mercury. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to veer off course too much with your examples, but sure. I just had to throw Andre in there because I finished the HBO special. All right. Two <laughs> other examples of... The um, again, I'm using the term lowbrow affectionately. Um, entertainment. We have Carol Burnett, who is Sun conjunct Venus in Taurus, and also the Moon in Taurus. Um, Carol Burnett was a comedian. She did a number of shows. Uh, one of which she played kind of a, a lower middle class family called Mama's House. Uh, and it was really a, a kind of a struggling family held together by this kind of goddess figure of the mom. And when you think of Carol Burnett. Another thing you think of when you think of Taurus is, again, that voice. And we talked about how, well, maybe we didn't, I should, how Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, has a really great voice and does a really great job communicating. Yeah. So does John Cena. Carol Burnett has an incredibly distinct voice. She does. Yeah. 
And I think she fits as a great example. She has a new show on Netflix with a bunch of kids. Did you see that? I could not be more excited about that. I love Carol Burnett. I am. I'm You'll have to, to yeah, take, that, yeah, take a look at that. And we have we have George Lopez, another comedian who has uh, the Sun in Taurus and Venus in Aries. Now, George Lopez, in a lot of ways, was one of the very first voices of Mexican Americans, both as a popular comedian, but also had his own show on TV, and and it really was home cooking. Uh, nothing George did ever pushed boundaries too much, but it was fun. It was local. He embraced uh, his folk. And I really think he's a great example of kind of that lowbrow, moon-based communicator you can get from Taurus. And George also, he was a voice of his people, and he, he used his voice as a tool and a weapon. He, he would change languages in the middle of a presentation to a, to a wide-based crowd. All right. Another example we have are actors and models. And here... We have beautiful, useful voices, and we're also going to see lots of long necks. I really think of long necks as a Venusian trait, but also a really distinct Taurian trait of beauty. And we're going to see it here when we talk about some of these individuals. Again, I want to harp back to this idea that when we see these Taurian people uh, who are actors, and there are some great ones, um, you're going to get a lot of distinct uses of, of their voices, but also these people aren't your classic Leo actor, where it's attention on me, on me, on me. It's people fitting into their role in uh, their movies and kind of being a center of gravity, kind of being that fixed earth in the, in the places where they act. So the first example is George Clooney. Um, by the way, uh, I, when you think of Venus ideas and you think of beauty, I think we're going to see some unbelievably attractive people who, uh, who were Tureans and ended up being actors. So George Clooney had the Sun and Mercury in Taurus, and he has Venus and Aries. So you can see uh, the Sun and Mercury in Taurus kind of a little more fixed. Venus and Aries bringing a little more activity or action to what George does. And George has a beautiful, dulcet, calming tone to his voice. Even in ER when he was a, uh, a doctor, somehow he had that calm, charming Venus Venusian appearance to him, uh, and his voice was uh, was charming and chill. I see Meredith rolling her eyes. Are you I not am making an ER fan? crazy faces right now. Um, I have a thing with George Clooney. Oh, a thing. And you should email thebasementastrologers at gmail.com to get the story about George Clooney, which Kip doesn't know because we've only <laughs> known each other for three months. But go on, keep this, talking about George Clooney, how amazing he is. This because, bad. yeah, no, um, I don't. Get it. All right. <laughs> One other point about George Clooney and Taurian, the idea of focusing on that fixed, solid, um, unmoving value is that George Clooney eventually got married and he married an international human rights attorney who happened to be of Middle Eastern descent. So he waited until he found like the bullseye of all bullseyes of spouses to uh, to to breed with. Are you going to give examples of the long neck? Yes. Okay. But we're not there yet. Okay. So a couple more actors before we get to the long neck. We have perhaps the greatest actor uh, who is a female of all time. I'm not supposed to say actress anymore, so I will call Miss Kate Blanchett an actor. Kate has the sun and Saturn in Taurus and Venus in Aries. Now, Kate Blanchett in several roles changed her voice and appearance so much using her voice, using that Taurian tool that, that I, I think that if you played a track from one movie to another, you wouldn't have known it was the same person. 
My second example, Kate's also beautiful. My second example is perhaps the greatest actor, male actor of all times, who is Daniel Day-Lewis, who has oh, yeah. all Sun, right. Moon, Venus, and Mercury in Taurus. Now, oh, for yeah. sure, Daniel Day-Lewis has been in movies. Well, one movie he didn't even talk. He just used guttural uh, terms. Uh, My Left Foot, I My think it was called. My Left Foot, yeah. No, he actually, when he does a role, he is the character. No one knows anything about him because he just is his character. The whole movie. He falls into it, becomes fixed in that role. Yeah. yeah he completely changes how he communicates, how he talks. He uses his voice oh. as, a, as an instrument. And finally, before we get to the long necks... We have Jack Nicholson, Sun, Mercury, Uranus in Taurus with Venus and Aries. Jack's voice is almost a weapon. Uh, you just think of him uh, when um, when he's being interrogated as the general. Uh, you can't you can't handle the truth. Okay, so he is a Sun Taurus. Yep. Sun, Mercury, Uranus. I did find out a random fact because we have Gemini energy. Mm -hmm. Um, He had, I don't remember the specific number of tryouts before he got his first part, but it was something ridiculous. I mean, he kept getting denied and denied and denied, but he had that fixed energy that he didn't give up. Like a lot of actors, I think, would have in L.A. at that time. But I mean, it was something years and maybe 100 auditions. I don't know what it was before he got... I don't know if it was Cuckoo's Nest movie or oh, something. Yeah. I don't know One what his first Cuckoo's breakout Nest. role was, but he didn't give up. And I don't know. I don't have a lot of fixed energy, so I would have been like, I would have jumped ship. <laughs> um, but no, he really, the Tauruses will stick. When you they, think of that fixed energy, too, yeah. you really think of Jack as almost an archetype of acting for like 30 years. And I always think of him in the front row of the Lakers game. Like he never yeah. missed one. He was in the same spot all the time. Oh, yep. Very good observation. All right. Now we're going to get to the long necks. The first one is Uma Thurman, Sun, Saturn, Mercury, Venus, and Gemini. And Uma is gorgeous, and she has what seems to be a three-foot-long neck. Well, okay, here's my comment on the long neck thing. So wouldn't that long be more distinct. of us like a Taurus rising because that's what you look like? Or just the Taurus kind of themes of sure. I think like- I think that when people are expressing these energies to a greater extent, I think that these things become... Uh, more clear and distinct. But is she yeah. known for a long neck? I guess I think she's so. Got a, I guess she kind of has she one. She does, and she's got a just general graceful Not a bad features. thing, yeah. No, why okay. would a long neck be a no. bad thing? She has the Sun, Saturn, and Mercury uh, in Taurus and Venus in Gemini. Now here, this isn't a long neck, but this is definitely a distinct neck. And you have Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum also played a stripper, and I can't think of any more base folk art than stripping. <laughs> he... Channing has a, the sun in uh, Taurus and Venus in Gemini. He not only played a stripper, he was a stripper. I, I'm sorry. I didn't get to see it. I, <laughs> I, it sounds like you enjoyed it a great well, deal. Well, no. Magic, are you talking about Magic Mike? Yes. Yeah. Well, that was based on, I mean, not based on, but like he actually had real world experience playing that role because before he made it, he was a male stripper. Oh, I did not know that. Oh. There we go. More third there house, go. Boom. Uh, the goddess house, the local uh, entertainment. And then we have... Gal Gadot, uh, or otherwise known as the current Wonder Woman. She's kind of awesome. Yeah. Kind of well, like her. Val, Val, Gadot, Val Gadot is amazing. Sun and Taurus, Venus and Aries. Of course, that's where Wonder Woman would be, Venus and Aries. And Va- Gal is not only gorgeous and Venusian, um, she's, I think she has long everything. 
<laughs> she looks like she's like six seven. I don't know how tall she is, but she looks just amazing. But she looks so tall in the movies. Yeah, and everything is long. And yeah. a, and a member of the tribe, which I can't figure out. As a five foot four hairy member of the tribe, <laughs> she would be at least a foot and a half tall. Oh yeah, I I kind of want to like email her and be, and <laughs> be friends with her. Maybe we can get her on the pod. <laughs> Maybe yeah. so. Yeah, she seemed like she'd be down with it. We should try. All right, now this. Uh, I didn't put this last, but for me, I, I pointed out earlier that when I hear a great singer or a great voice, the first thing I look for is Taurus. So I pointed out some singers who are Taurians. And what you're going to see in this is not only people who can who are great singers, but you're going to see singers, not artists. And you're going to see a lot of distinct voices. So the first example is actually two people. It's Roy Orbison, who sang Pretty Woman, Pretty Woman, and Glenn Campbell who sang Rhinestone Cowboy. The reason these two are together is because they were born one day apart. Uh, they both have the Sun, Mars, Mercury, and Uranus in the Taurus. same year? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. One day apart, literally. Okay. And Venus and Aries. Now, Glenn had a new moon. Um, uh, Roy didn't get the moon in Taurus. But Glenn, uh, he ushered in the crossover between country and, and pop music in a lot of ways. So it makes sense. He's a he's the new um, incantation. Uh Roy has maybe the most distinct voice in the history of music. And if you're not familiar, please, um, you know, go to YouTube. Listen to some Roy Arbison. Second, we have Barbara Streisand. We have the Sun, Mercury, Saturn, and Uranus in Taurus. And we have Venus exalted in Pisces. Now, this all makes perfect sense. Barbara Streisand um, has just an incredible voice. She's an incredible singer. Um, and that, that exaltation... Of Venus and Pisces, um, she's she's famous for singing standards, which is just songs hundreds of other performers are saying in her own way, and and people buying thousands of copies. Another example: Willie Nelson. We have the Sun and Venus both in Taurus, so the Sun, Taurus, and so Venus is exalted there, uh, and they both trine Jupiter and Virgo. And I thought this was really interesting, so I'm going to take a quick aside here. So Jupiter is in its detriment in Virgo. And Willie actually started out in an incredibly practical or Virgoan um, way. He wrote songs for other people and really great songs. People, you know, he made a lot of money writing songs for other people. And there was a delay in Willie actually becoming a lead performer, which which those are all things that when you have Jupiter and Detra make a lot of sense. Um, he, he followed the, the Virgo path. He still was extremely successful. It just took a little time for him to dig in. Then we have Cher, another person with a with that long necked feature, the uh, uh, a gorgeous Taurian. Um, we have the Sun and Mercury in Taurus, and Venus in Gemini. Uh, now, one thing I thought was really interesting about Cher, uh, who again has a distinct, beautiful voice, she carried Sonny Bono to fame and fortune somehow. She has the Moon trine Mercury from Capricorn. Um, and uh, if anyone knows anything about Cher, she's actually an incredible business person. She's made a lot of money and she's managed her own affairs. And so that trine um, to Mercury and Capricorn makes a lot of sense. Uh, so we have Bono, Sun, Mercury, Venus, all in Taurus. Um, and Bono was also born in a full moon. Uh, Bono has been an incredible singer for years. I don't, um, there's a lot to be said about you two. Some good, some bad. But Bono sang when other people seemed to skip the process. Now, you two could also be described as kind of the culmination 
of 80s rock. Uh, and, and that full moon makes a lot of sense with Bono, the, the culminating period, kind of the peak. I'm not saying there were another really amazing 80s bands, but but that kind of hair band motif seems to have in some ways crystallized and peaked when U2 came around. And finally, the queen of all voices of our day and time, Adele. Adele has the sun conjunct Jupiter in Taurus and also Venus in Gemini. So we get some communication too. Do you have anything to say about those? I do. You know, this, your uh, presentation just made me kind of have an epiphany. Uh, I mean, I married a musician Mm -hmm. and I always thought it was a Gemini thing, but I think the Gemini Taurus combo, because Venus can't be super far. I can't, it's like 45 degrees from the sun. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband is a sun, Gemini, Venus, Taurus, and whether either or i mean just musical talent is like off the scales we should i wish i had stats on that because you just named a bunch of musicians that have a lot of taurus energy but pretty much all of them had venus and gemini right next door i mean there's or kind Aries, of a yeah. yeah um very interesting i'm gonna have to do some personal research on that fun <clears throat> all right we have two more examples now one is is really a signifier so we're thinking about these people as kind of representations of what Tories means. And oftentimes with Taurus, we talk about money. We talk about physical value. And so we have three examples of just um, of just what money values. Uh, so first we have Queen Elizabeth, the sun in Taurus, and then Venus exalted in Pisces. Queen Elizabeth has her son at one degree of Taurus, which might be interested interesting exactly what's coming up to people who are following the stars right now because we're about to have uranus at one degree of taurus exactly square mars at one degree of um aquarius so we're talking about a really big transit for the queen in the next couple days number two mark zuckerberg Sun and Venus in Taurus, and he was actually born in a full moon. And one could argue that Mark Zuckerberg kind of hit that peak, uh, completely fluid internet time when social media was directed exactly at one person. And Mark is one of the richest people ever to live. And finally, we have Melania Trump. We could think of another beautiful Taurian woman who is now worth a lot of money. That's all I'm going to say about her. Finally, we have politicians or thinkers who affected primary value. So we're thinking of the, exactly the value, the fixed value of things. The first person is Karl Marx, Sun, Moon, Venus, all in Taurus. <clears throat> he was one of the driving forces behind communist economics theory, the idea that people are a commodity and need to stand up for themselves uh, as a group, as this group of the, uh, the underclass bonding together. Then we have Vladimir Lenin, Sun, Mercury, Jupiter, and Pluto in Taurus. Now, Lenin took Marx's philosophy and used it to overthrow the Tsarist while systematically uh, slaughtering uh, hundreds of thousands of people. He changed the, the entire landscape or value of human life on the world's largest country. Finally, we have Harry Truman. Sun Neptune with Venus in Cap Sun and Neptune in Taurus with Venus in Cancer. And he also uh, had a full moon. And he was really the culmination of maybe all war. He changed the literal understanding 
of how humans could interact with each other and their planet by making the decision to drop the atomic bomb on Japan. So sorry to, to end on an upper. I'm sure everyone's cheery now. Lots of full moons in your examples. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's fun to point out the moon phases at times. Did that just happen or did you actually look for full moons? I or didn't. You um, didn't. It just kind of, you just noticed it. With Taurus, I wanted a lot of examples. Right. And it seemed to make sense to have like lots of tactile, like hanger. And then you discovered examples. later that they're all full moons. Interesting. Yeah. A couple new moons too. All right. So now we're going to talk a little bit about setting intention. And we're going to talk at the end, uh, Meredith and I are just going to take some time to riff off each other about what's going on in the sky, about Uranus moving from uh, Aries into Taurus. And and at that point, you'll see why my examples for setting intention with the new moon in Taurus aren't really drilled down. That's because the sky is crazy right now. Definitely. <laughs> what I like to talk about setting intention wise is that we're at a point with the new moon where the sun and the moon are conjunct. The sun is a mission. It's what you were incarnated to do. When you're doing your sun stuff, you're shining. The moon's personal. The condition of your birth, your interior life, maybe even your appearance. It's what makes you feel good inside. When these two things come together, the personal and how you shine, how you're driven, you have a chance to set intentions to, to, to reinvent yourself in that space, to start new things. It's a, it's a, it's a time to plant a seed. The new moon happens every month, about every 30 days. Now, during the new moon, we're just offered that opportunity to reflect on our personal self um, and how, how our mission is being carried out in kind of tactile personal terms. We can take it a step further. We can look in our chart and see where the moon falls, and we can take those steps, those Taurian steps, in the house it comes down in. When it works, it's stronger. It's powerful. It we're really using some of that star magic to go forward. Even if it, even if we don't believe that we're harnessing the energies of the cosmos, we're having an opportunity um, 12 times a year to take a hard look at an aspect of our life and deciding what actions we can take uh, in that area. And, and doing that repeatedly, I think, is an amazing practice. So here are my three suggestions. First of all, self-care. And when I say self-care, I mean um, physical comfort. Go go buy a new fancy pillow or a mattress or a pair of really great shoes that support you. Um, take care of yourself. Indulgence. What's something you really like? Um, let's say you play the violin and you've been meaning to buy a new bow or really you've had your eye on an actual instrument. It let, indulge yourself in that thing that makes you feel at home and comfortable. Go buy that Le Croissant uh, pot that you really wanted for a long time that you're going to have and pass down to your grandkids. And finally, Taurian, that fixed energy, has a lot to do with routine. I would uh, think where in your chart does that uh, new moon interact with your routine and how can you make it a little more Taurian, a little more comfortable, a little more supportive, a little more earthy, um, and really add that to your life. Now, there's the new moon talk. Now I'm going to invite Meredith back in and we're going to talk about Uranus entering into Taurus just really briefly and have a little back and forth. Uranus is the sign of, of electricity, of lightning striking. The planet. The planet, the sorry. Planet. Thank you. Uh, that's why I invited her in so I wouldn't screw up. Um, it, it's, it's the unknown events. Unpredictable. Right. Great, great keyword. 
And it's entering Taurus, which we've just been beating like a drum. Those those yep. fixed, consistent values. So what are some what are some things you think about, Meredith, when you think about Uranus entering Taurus? You know, I've been a little nervous for today for a while. And even this pod being recorded was very unexpected. We did not plan to sit down and record a pod tonight. I mean, that's just Uranus and Taurus kind of. Um, and then we had... I mean, I had friends that were going to come out and do things today, and they all were freaking out. And you had a son freaking out. I mean, there's just kind of crazy stuff going on. Taurus isn't super emphasized in my chart, so I'm not personally feeling it too much today. But I can see around me my kind of extended – I think Taurus is my 11th house, so like my extended friend groups, I'm noticing some stuff. I got some frantic phone calls today. So big themes – with uh, Uranus and Taurus. So it's been 84 years since Uranus and Taurus has been there. Yep. At that point, we we saw fascism in Europe. And here in the United States, we saw the New Deal. We saw Social Security. We saw the Civilian Conservation Corps. So uh, we're trying to fight fascism this time and maybe lean on some of those, uh, those shared principles as we're moving forward. Um, other things I like to think about when we think of Uranus and Taurus... There was just a big Supreme Court case just on the cusp uh, where gambling for sports, um, what that the ban on it nationwide was thrown out and states now have the choice to gamble, to, to spend money on that local activity, that, that moon type folk activity. That was 84 years ago? 80? No, that just happened. That happened yesterday. Oh, <laughs> again, I, I'm a little uneducated about that. So some other ideas that have been thrown around by lots of astrologers. Um, with Uranus and Taurus are the idea of 3D printing, the idea that we can make things out of nothing, um, fake meat, the idea that we can grow meat in a lab. Um, cryptocurrency is a big theme. That's a big one. Yeah. That's all over the place. Do you have like maybe new inventions to help the planet? Yeah. That's kind of another one. Great. So what I was going to say is this idea of urban warehouse gardening, which is really big. Uh-huh. And where that came from was the green rush when some states legalized the growing of marijuana there, it was really restrictive as to where people could do it and how they could transport it for a variety of reasons. And so people learned how to grow it like in the back of a semi-trailer super efficiently. I mean, just maximize space to no end. Now people are doing some of those same things and growing vegetables right inside cities. And I yeah. think that's, that's a chance to explode uh, during Uranus and Taurus. I, I hope so. I mean, I really do. We need it. Yeah, it's great stuff. Now, uh, we have a bunch of other really huge things that are happening at the same time. We have Mars entering Aquarius. Uh, if that didn't happen now, it's it's happening in the next couple hours. It's like within seconds. I, I can't remember the, the time, but it's any minute now. And it's going to exactly square Taurus, which is a yeah. challenge. It's a lesson. It's a conflict. It's two really. So Mars, we have excessive heat. We have uh, at times violence. We have dividing and breaking apart. And it's it's challenging or confronting the idea of a, of an explosive change um, in, in fixed earth and in, uh, and in uh, fixed air. We're also that this uh, square is not a one and done. Your uh, Uranus in uh, in Taurus is going to go retrograde and just duck bare back into Aries. Yeah. Do you have the dates on that? I don't. 
I should, yeah. So you pin me down. I know. I, sh- I should have them too. Again, this is an unexpected pod. And, we were not prepared. And Mars is doing the same thing. Mars okay. is going to go retrograde. They're actually going to square two more times. Really? And it's not going to be all the way done until early next year. 2019? Right. So it's it's a really a big explosive time. And we see some of those themes. Uh, we saw um, the embassy move in Israel to Jerusalem. We saw... We got Hawaii blowing up. Right. We got the earth moving and shaking. A horrible slaughter um, in Gaza. So so there's a lot a lot going on. Ooh, uh, and the near-miss asteroid tonight. Oh. I texted you earlier. I said, Kip, I'm a little nervous. Is it missed yet? I hope, uh, I hope this well, pod Well, I don't know out. what... I think it was 6 p.m. Eastern, so I think we're in the clear. But there was uh, an asteroid that made the news tonight that said... It was coming in between the moon and the earth, which is pretty freaking rare. And it made headlines today all over the place. And scientists said, it's a sure thing that it's going to miss the earth. <laughs> and I said, the when day been wrong? Uranus goes to Taurus, I don't know if anything's a sure thing missing the it's earth. Great, yeah, well, I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> I think we're safe. We're in the basement anyway, so we're good. So when you're listening to this, uh, it's in, in a couple weeks. Um, I'm going to UAC next week. So it's going to be a, a delay now uh, between when this gets out and also the following podcast. But there's a ton else going on in the sky. This week we have the sun going into Gemini. We have Mercury going into Taurus. We have Venus going into Cancer. Things are shifting all over the sky. Major shifts. So yep. it's it's difficult to get a grasp on what's going on. Hopefully we have a beautiful warm summer um, we figure out how to create space for everyone to let these transitions take place. I want everyone to know that I love you, and I'm going to let Meredith close us out. Yeah, and just reiterating set intentions, breathe, stay calm, stay grounded during this crazy astrological times. This is Meredith and Kip saying goodnight. Uh, we'd like to thank July Fighter for our opening and closing music. Please find them on any music streaming service. Please visit our website at www.thebasementastrologers.com. You can email us, especially for my George Clooney story, at thebasementastrologers at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to be a guest on our show or if you have any ideas for possible topics. Good night, Earthlings. <laughs>